This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Backcourt Marketing, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And for once, we don't have uh, football loss to, to talk about, or I guess the rare football win. So uh, we have one basketball game to talk about. One got one got uh, postponed due to COVID. We're going to talk about that. And then Adam Gorney from uh, Rivals and Yahoo Sports, the National Recruiting Director, going to join us. We're going to talk about uh, Arizona's top 40 ranking. Will it hold or will it not? So uh, much to discuss today, Shane. And we'll do a little college football playoff and a pick on the U of A Illinois game uh, to end the show since we don't have college football picks, which by the way, you ended the regular season three games up on me. So I'm going to have to create as many postseason picks. You're going to make us pick all the bowl games, aren't no, you? No, not, not all the bowl, just the ones that are, you know, notable with, with teams that we care about okay. uh, just so I can try to get back in. Yeah. So we, uh, we tied last week, but let's get right into our new segment called buy or sell. And uh, we'll start with the basketball team. And, uh, you know, my opinion is that Arizona got robbed uh, by not jumping into the top 10 in this week's rankings because they only played one game against Oregon State, even though it was really impressive. Are you buying or selling the fact that Arizona got robbed by not being in the top 10, Shane? Well, I believe there's only one top 10 team that lost last week, and it was Gonzaga, correct? Uh, and they lost to, to uh, Alabama. Alabama. Alabama, thank you. Thank yes. you. Uh, and Gonzaga was ranked number three, so I don't think they were going to fall out of the top 10, uh, losing to a ranked team. So I, I'm selling the, the idea they got robbed. I'm fine with it. I mean, Oregon State, it was an impressive win, but Oregon State may be the worst team in the Pac-12. And, and that and that includes ASU. Oh, Shane, so that's, my guy, that's my guy Tinkle. I know. That's my guy Tinkle. I know. I know you wanted him to be the next Arizona coach, but he's one and eight at Corvallis, so I'm glad we we, uh, we avoided that landmine. Uh, but – I, I'm not sweating it. Look, if they beat Wyoming, and Wyoming's going to be a tough game too. And I want to talk about Illinois, but Wyoming's undefeated as well. Uh, their GCU's only loss of the season. They're undefeated. They're number 12 in the net rankings, which just came out. Arizona's number three. So number one, the rankings don't matter. They're pretty. It's nice to look at, but they don't matter in college basketball. And number two, if they keep winning, they'll move up. And if they beat Wyoming and Illinois this week, they will be in the top 10. Now, just to preface this, you may be listening after the Wyoming game, which is on Wednesday night. We're recording this on Tuesday. So let's hope the Wildcats don't lose to Wyoming and then all this is uh, out the window. But I, I'm confident that the in the matchup of undefeated, Arizona just playing so well right now. Uh, number two, Shane, uh, scheduling a makeup game against a bad Washington team was a good idea. Uh, as compared to taking the forfeit like UCLA did. Uh, are you buying that theory or selling it? Let me ask you first, because you always ask the questions. Let me ask you first on this one and I'll go. Um, to me, I would sell it. I don't think it's a good idea. I know why they did it, because they want the home revenue. They want the revenue that right. you're going to get from, from McHale Center. Even on Tuesday night, you're going to get 12,000 people or whatever to sell tickets. But Washington's not very good. And it doesn't. it's not going to affect Arizona's RPI one way or the other. I'd rather not play the game. Uh, keep your guys fresh um, at that point in the season. So I'm selling that uh, concept. Look at it this way, Eric. Uh, say Arizona's going to hit some bump, bumps in the road at some point. It could be as, as early as this week. And you know what, what they have? Tim teams have what they call a, a get right game, 
you know, where they sort of get their, their troubles figured out against a bad team. Washington, maybe they're the get right game for Arizona. I hope it doesn't come to that and I hope they don't need it, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have an extra game. The only negative in my opinion is that it's another opportunity for injuries, but those can happen in practice too. So I'll, I, I think it was a good, I'll buy it. The question was, was it a good idea? I'll buy it. I like the fact that they have the game and I like the fact that people who bought tickets, the game will be able to see it too. Uh, number three, Ben Matherin, who is uh, all over the place uh, for his uh, amazing dunks against Oregon State, you know, Sports Center top 10, all that. Uh, he is a legitimate All American candidate. Are you buying or selling that? Yeah, Brad Ellis, our friend, uh, tweeted, uh, you know, th- during the game that, that that has to be a, you know, all time top 10 dunk for Arizona. And I said, wow, which, which one? He had a couple of them in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, I know which one he's talking about, the behind yeah. the back one in transition yeah. from in the pass from Kirk Reese. But he had a couple of them. Uh, I think he could get there if I had to pick as of now, which would be weird because we're just a few games into the season. But if we did, I probably wouldn't put him there yet because I think he's been kind of inconsistent. You know, he started off the year kind of slow. If he keeps that up, absolutely, he'll be an All-American. I, am I buying the idea that he can be? Sure, absolutely he can be. I am going to sell that. I, I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's, you know, third team, you know, or honorable mention, something like sure, that, but we're, sure. we're not there yet. Uh, all right. Number four, um, the top three teams in the Pac-12 are UCLA, USC, and Arizona in some order. Buy or sell that? Buy that. Yeah. USC is undefeated. Arizona is undefeated. And UCLA is is close. Uh, they had that the big time loss to Gonzaga, but but they're, they're very good. I would still pick them. I know every, Wildcat fans are going crazy. We're going to the final four and we're going to be uh, maybe some fans aren't thinking that way. Maybe they're guarding their hearts like I am. But I think UCLA is still the team to beat in the yep. conference. But as far as top three, absolutely. It's Arizona and then the two L.A. schools. Uh, Oregon has dropped off the face of the earth. Lost just, to ASU, an ASU team that, that scored 29 points, nine yep. fewer than the football team in the t- did in the territorial cup game to Washington State. And Washington State, by the way, is is, is a decent team. Good, yeah, they're top five. Washington yeah, State's top, top five. five. Yeah. You now, uh, your guy Lenardi had him as a as a NCAA tournament team. He, he, I, probably had him ahead of Arizona. Probably, I, he actually did. To be oh, are team. you serious? He did. Yeah, he had hit Washington State as the last team yeah. in, and Arizona is one of the next four out. You know, so you should. To, to have that job oh, as a I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have brought this up. You, you should have like an unbiased, like you have to be unbiased no. about it. You can't have biases like Lunardi does. All right. I mean, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to redirect this. It's my fault. I went there. It's my, all right. All right so, uh, I'm gonna, to, to, to summarize, yeah. I buy that one. Yes. I think those are the top three teams right now. All right. And this is a bonus question, not part of buy or sell. All right. So I wrote on Twitter last week, uh, or, or I think earlier this week. So Arizona's got four tough road games in the next month uh, at Illinois Saturday at Tennessee. Uh, I believe that's next week. Then you've got uh at UCLA and at USC. I said if Arizona goes two and two, I'd be thrilled. Uh, is that a reasonable expectation as compared to the people saying four and oh on my yes. timeline? Two and yeah. two is absolutely reasonable. Yes. And look, I'm still not sure how good this team is. They've looked fantastic, as good as I could possibly yep. expect. And that's with them not shooting the three ball well, which I think is going to change. They have a lot of good shooters on this team. I think eventually they're going to start shooting well from three. With that said, you know, I mentioned it a week or two ago. How good is Michigan really? We're not sure yet. They were ranked number four at the beginning of the season, but we don't really know how good they are. Uh, Wichita State might end up being a pretty good team, but Arizona almost lost that game and they wouldn't have even had a chance to play Michigan. So I'm not trying to put a, be a wet blanket. I'm just saying 
there's still a lot, a lot to unpack with this team. We're going to learn a lot more about them in the next couple of weeks. But as far as that, the two and two, yeah, I think so. I, I think they're more than capable of going on the road in, in, in beating Illinois. They're more, they're capable of winning all of them. But I think uh, as far as true road games, I love the fact that they're getting tested this early in the season as well. Uh, two and two and a little humility and learning some things about themselves in the process. I think that's fine. I, I think two and two would be great. I would be ecstatic. I know people don't want to hear that. I think one and three is most realistic. You're looking at three teams that are four, all four teams are in the top 25. And to even get one win out of that chain would be impressive. Let's be honest. One win out of those four games would be, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a top 25 win. Uh, you don't want to go in four. That would be a nightmare. But I think one and three would be good. Uh, two and two would be great. Three and one would be unbelievable. And four and oh, you can start talking about final four. How's that? Uh, that sounds good. Yeah, I think I, I'm glad that you're not you know, up, up, you know, your head in the clouds there, like thinking, over oh, going to the final four. Cause I know you like to, in football, you know, yes. you, Kevin, and, someone, Kevin, someone gets hired and mm, you, you mm. booked a hotel in Pasadena. Yes. I did. Uh, no, I didn't, but I thought about it. You um, thought about it. I did think about it. Uh, that was a very, very, very bad idea on my part. Let's talk about football. Now we've got Adam Gordy coming up here next segment. So Johnny Nansen was hired uh, from UCLA as the new defensive coordinator for Arizona. And a lot of us wonder who the hell uh, Johnny Nansen is. So I reached out to uh, a guy that I know that used to play football at, uh, at, at USC uh, way back in the day. And he is well-connected with the program. Nansen was an assistant coach there uh, a few years ago. And so I said, well, what do you think of this guy? And his response was, quote, good guy. I was impressed with his demeanor, intensity, and seemed to be smart. He survived, he survived all of Helton's firings until the end when the AD forced staff firings so he, the AD, could hire some new assistants and not fire Helton. He came to SC with Sarkeesian and, and survived all the turmoil. Chip Kelly snapped him up when he was let go. I can't speak too much to his acumen, but he's seen a lot and appeared to be respected uh, and basically said that uh, Arizona is – Nansen is not going to be the problem for Arizona going forward. So that's encouraging. Now, I heard some other stuff that wasn't as encouraging about his X's and O's ability. We'll ask Adam Gorney about recruiting, but – uh, number five for buy or sell. He was the right defensive coordinator hire, and he will make an impact uh, for Arizona, both recruiting and on the field schematically. Buy or sell that statement? Well, I'm not sure about schematically. I don't think any of us are. But oh, but if I had to pick a buy or sell, I'll go with buy. I think he'll do a fantastic job recruiting. I don't think Arizona is going to lose much ground on the defensive side of the ball. And frankly, you know, even though losing Don Brown w- was big, I think a lot of most players really commit to the, the, the position coaches ahead of the, the coordinators. So I, I think that they kept all the co- all their coordinators or all the assistant coaches rather intact. So I think that's a big deal. I think the only way Arizona was going to get a great recruiter like him was to give him a step up and make him, you know, in this case, the defensive uh, coordinator. I think that, so that was kind of a trade-off. It's like, it's a bit of a gamble in that regard, but we know we're getting someone who knows uh, recruiting and, and has a lot of, experience in that area. Another thing I like about Nansen is he's been part of a rebuild. Uh, and he mentioned this in his uh, introductory press conference last week, Washington went 0 and 12 the year before he got mm-hmm. there. Uh, mm-hmm. He was part of Steve uh, Sarkeesian staff, inaugural staff at Washington as the defensive line and special teams coach. They won five games uh, in his first season, uh, right after the 0 and 12 season and seven games the year after that. So he understands what it takes to take, to take those methodical steps in the right direction and what's going to take for Arizona to take that next step and become at least relevant again. 
Yeah. And, and I think the big thing that, that we're all going to talk about over and over with Nansen is his recruiting ability. Um, this guy is known as an ace recruiter. Uh, we'll talk to Adam about that here coming up shortly. Uh, but this is for what Jed Fish has brought to this program, which is, you know, we're going to bring in better players. Well, you fulfilled that part of it. The problem is we don't know what this guy's like as a coach. So it's great if you bring in better players, but if you don't coach them well, it doesn't really matter, right? But you know what? I, I think that I think Eric that you know that a lot of times that's what the position coaches are for, uh, and then uh, these guys aren't going to come to Arizona if they don't think that that he can coach. So you know, one of the main reasons why guys pick a college isn't necessarily to go win football games; it's to get to that next level. That's probably the, the biggest reason. And so Nansen has proven to to high school athletes, top high school athletes, over and over that he can help them get there. By the way, uh, some good news from the Arizona football department today. It was announced that uh, Keon Bars, second team all Pac-12 yep. on the defensive line, which uh, for you know was very impressive. And first team all Pac-12, Kyle Ostendorp, uh, the punter, which uh, who would have thought because he was dreadful last year, uh, made a, a huge turnaround. All Pac-12, first team Stanley Berryhill, all Pac-12, first team as well uh, from a special teams returner position. So congratulations to those guys. Hey, you know, at least there were some improvements, uh, some bright spots in well, a let's one, not, one let's not season. Forget, let's not forget Tyler Luke made all of his kicks. I know he was, it was kind of a tandem with um, Haverstick because Haverstick he, was the big leg, but Luke was perfect. Yeah, Luke, Luke did a great job. And yeah, special teams for Arizona, probably going to be good next year. That schedule, I, I can't wait until they announce the Pac-12 schedule. I don't know why these conferences can do it years in advance, but Pac-12 can't do it. Uh, so we don't know. We can't break it down. We know it's at San Diego State, Mississippi State, and then potential FCS champion, North Dakota State. And then the Pac-12 schedules. We'll, we'll break that down when the schedule's announced, hopefully in the next few weeks. All right. Uh, the next one for buy or sell, number six. Uh, Jed Fish is now 1-11 at Arizona. Uh, Shane, buy or st- are you buying or selling the notion that Jed Fish will eventually see 500 in his Arizona uh, tenure as, as far as evening his record wins and losses. You're making me do math during this podcast. He's really one and like he's 10 I games know. under 500. I know. I got it. I got it. Uh, so, so in my mind, so let's see. Okay. He goes six and six the following year, maybe so let's say seven and six with a low level bowl win. And then wins eight games the next two years. He gets up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's some, I, I will buy it because I, I've, it would be hypocritical for me to talk up Jed Fish as much as I have after hating the hire initially right. and then saying he's never going to be an above 500 coach at Arizona. So I will buy that reluctantly, but if I have to pick one or the other, I'll buy. Oh, I'm selling that one all day. Uh, okay. I mean, you could put that one on the market if, uh, you know, sell that all day. You're talking about a guy that if he has one good season, at Arizona, he's he's going to look to move elsewhere. I mean, I believe that. I don't look at – and you and I have talked about that, and that's a good problem for Arizona to have. I mean, if Jed Fish turns things around here and gets to Arizona 9-4 and four with a bowl win or 8-4 and four going into the bowls with a win over ASU and somebody else hires him away from a Power 5 school, you know, that's a good problem for Arizona to have. And then they hire from within with uh, Brennan Carroll and make him the next head coach, right? Well, right. I mean, there are rumors about Brennan Carroll to Auburn as an offensive coordinator. I I, I don't know if I buy that, but, I mean, he, he is being rumored there. It's amazing that these guys from a 1-11 staff are getting poached. Don Brown, you know, Brennan Carroll. It's interesting. Anyways, uh, I don't think he'll ever see anywhere close to 500 again. I mean, you look at Arizona's schedule next year, uh, I, I just – I don't see six and six. I see more like four and eight, three and nine at this point. Uh, And at that point, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 16 games under 500, unless he's staying 10 years, which 
I mean, at this point, knowing Jed Fish's career trajectory would be surprising, you know, and if he either he gets fired for not doing well or he does great and somebody poaches him away. I re- I will say this. I really actually do believe Jed Fish when he says that he and his family would like to stay in one, one place for a while. And they sure. do have and they You're do right. have, have have two girls. And I'm sure that they would love to stay in one area. So, no, I look, if he gets better job offers, if that happens, then, yeah, he's going to go eventually. But I don't think he's going to be ready to bold as quickly as some think at the first hint of success. So Dick Tomey was in Tucson for what, like 15 14 years, 14, 14 years. Okay. Uh, Mike Stoops, I think was like seven, seven and a like, half, seven and a half. Yep. Rich Rod was six, six. Yeah. Well, and so both I mean, of those guys got, got fired. I mean, they, they, and Rich Rod, I think Florida was South Carolina, but he decided to come back. Right. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, Arizona's coaches do stay generally. I mean, someone you had to fire the guy. Yeah. So you would think Jed fish. All right. Let's say Jed fish is here six or seven years. I mean, maybe you could you could buy it with that logic. I, at this point, I just don't see a good year in 2022, regardless of the talent that's coming in. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna sell that. I, I, if he comes from 16 games below 500 and bounces, uh, back. yeah, I, I should I should have had you go first on that one. I think yeah. you've sold me in the other direction. Okay, uh, and I was just gonna, I guess the seventh one, um, the over under on Jed Fish years coached at Arizona. In my, I'm putting the over under at three and a half years. Um, that he is that he is uh, fired in the middle of his fourth year at, at this current rate. Are you taking the over or under? Now I hope it's we all hope it's the over. Don't get me wrong. Well, first of all, this is this is not a in the proper buy or sell format, so I don't think I'm obligated to answer. Are you question. buying the over three and a half? Or the, okay, are, are all right, you, that's better. Are you that's selling better. that? Yet? Am I yeah. buying the over three and a half? I'll buy it. Yes. Okay. I think right. he'll I think he'll be at Arizona because. I don't, I, I think he, yes, I do think he will leave for greener pastures if he has some success, but I don't think Arizona is going to win eight or nine games necessarily in year three. I think it would take at least four years to get there. You think back to the Mike Stoops era, they won six games and then a seventh game, a bowl game in year five. It takes a while to, to turn around a program, some a little bit easier than others. Uh, Arizona is not a destination football school as well as they've been recruiting. So I think it's going to take a little longer for him to get there. Okay, bonus question. As you know, every week I give you a question that I don't prep you for. You're already laughing about this one. I'm already laughing about this. This is too good. All right, so the bonus question is buy or sell. Uh, The next uh, edition of Shane Dale's ASU U of A rivalry book will be about Jed Fish's tenure at Arizona. I am done. I am done writing. You're not not writing another book no more? Yeah, I should. I mean... (laughs) Well, we can get into that if you want, but no, I think I'm, I may write more books. I think I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm tapped out with territorial cup stuff. Okay. Good. I just, I just want to check on that. All right. That was, that was our bonus question. That's by yourself. And, and thanks to our great sponsor backcourt marketing uh, for sponsoring the show and that segment, of course, uh, coming up next, Adam Gorney uh, from uh, rivals and Yahoo sports going to talk recruiting with us. Can Arizona land TMAC? We'll find out here on wildcat country. Always glad to have on Adam Gorney, National Recruiting Director for Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Um, as I said before we came on the air, uh, Adam, nothing like talking about a 1-11 team trying to recruit, but Jed Fish and company are doing a pretty good job. Just your your overall thoughts of, uh, you know, what's going on with Arizona and uh, its recruiting efforts heading into uh, the signing day here shortly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult when you have that record going into signing day and trying to sell the dream, but that's what they're doing. And, and, and they're only year one into this. So there's still plenty of time to do this. Uh, he's still selling, you know, all of his experience bringing in Johnny Nansen is definitely going to be beneficial. And so, you know, a lot of kids and, and fans get caught up in records and all those kinds of things. And kids do too. They want to play for winning programs. 
Um, but they also see opportunity here, big opportunity. They can get on the field pretty much wherever they like. Um, there's definitely early playing time in Tucson. And um, so I think that's going to, that has helped with recruiting and it, and it will help in this final week before they uh, close it down for early signing period. Yeah, Adam, I wanted to ask you about Johnny Nansen. The, the consensus seems to be great recruiter. Don't know much in terms of X's and O's. He really hasn't had much of an opportunity there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. A great recruiter. There's no doubt about it. One of the best recruiters in the PAC 12 has been, that's why, you know, one of the big reasons why he's been wanted at so many schools, you know, Washington, he did a very good job, then went to SC and did a very good job and then went to UCLA, you know, and, and, and did well there and is now at Arizona. So that's one of the reasons why he's such a high profile guy is because he has had a great track record of success recruiting. Um, he is Samoan. So getting into that Polynesian community is absolutely big and important. He's from California. Um, you know, he's, you know, originally from Samoa, but from California. So, um, he has connections there. So Johnny Nansen is absolutely one of the most well-connected, uh, assistant coaches in the PAC 12. And I think he's going to have that success, you know, at least getting kids on campus and then trying to intrigue them from there to come to Arizona to play for him. You look at uh, some of the defensive players who have already committed to Arizona before Nansen arrived, uh, in particular, four-star linebacker uh, Tyler Martin, who is a, a Massachusetts native who was recruited heavily by Don Brown himself, uh, one of Arizona's top commits for next season. He's given no indication yet that he's going to decommit. Uh, does Arizona keep him and most of those other guys, in your opinion? Yeah, from what I understand, Tyler Martin is still very much locked in with Arizona. I, I will say that I think it will be interesting to see how that all plays out now that Don Brown is coaching in the Northeast. Um, you know, turning down a Pac-12 uh, spot to play at UMass is not really all that intriguing. We'll see how that plays out in the final days. Um, but yeah, he is a big linebacker hitter, a little lumbering, maybe a little slow for that space in the Pac-12, but uh, definitely someone who can come into the box and, and make running very, very difficult. So a nice pickup when Don Brown was there. Um, I've, I've seen no indication that he's, you know, ready to flip or anything like that. So I think Arizona right now holds on. There we go. I was on mute, of course. Uh, it, all right. So Adam, the, the big commit for Arizona is, or the, the big commit is Noah Fafita and Kean Burnett, the two biggest commits from Servite, and obviously Jacob Manu as well. So you've got that pipeline. There's also a guy who happens to be a five-star uh, who we've talked about on the podcast uh, several times, C-Mac. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name, uh, is an Oregon commit, but we know with the coaching upheaval in college football, Mario Cristobal is now in, in Coral Gables, Florida. So what happens to T-Mac in your opinion? Yeah, I'd love to talk about those Servite guys, too, because they're really, really good. But let's talk about T-Mac a little bit. Um, he always wanted to play at Oregon. Um, grew up, you know, was from Hawaii, followed Marcus Mariota very, very closely, always wanted to play at Oregon, was not ever someone that was all that into the recruiting process. He didn't really want to do the whole recruiting thing. He wasn't really all that interested in it. During COVID, he had been in Hawaii for like a long stretch, like a, at least a few weeks uh, and didn't even take his phone to do recruiting stuff with him. So that's kind of like, you know, the background of what, of, of what T-Mac is like. And, and his name is really easy. It's Tetaroa. It's, it's nothing really oh. too, too complicated. Yeah, Tetaroa. Okay. All right. It we looks intimidating. Yeah, so, it looks intimidating, but it's not it's easy, but, but yeah, so now Mario Cristobal leaves, um, 
you know, there's certainly upheaval there among the coaching staff and he's going up there, you know, pretty much alone. Other Southern California guys are in that recruiting class, but that, that is going to be tough. Um, I'm not completely sold that he, you know, he's like this crystal ball disciple that needs to follow him to Miami or anything like that. Although I'm sure Cristobal will try to get him as soon as possible to visit. Uh, there's certainly things that are attractive. Uh, he loves the water. He loves being near the ocean, all those kinds of things. So South Florida is definitely appealing, but I will say that Arizona would be the other option right now. I don't think it would be USC. I don't really feel that USC is much of a player here. Hmm. Um, Arizona would be the other option. He's a kid that isn't crazy about recruiting. Isn't really into the, into the whole thing of playing for the biggest program and whatever else and his friends are going there. So um, I definitely think this is going to be interesting down the road. Now, I'm not kind of calling for a flip to Arizona, but as we all know, you know, he visited out there. He loved it. Um, he had a great time. He's around friends, and he would be immediately number one target on that offense. So all of those things are playing in Arizona's favor. If there is a kid uh, who's now a five-star for rivals, if there's a kid who would – like surprise people and go to a school that no one really expected from, from afar, it would be a kid like T-Mac that would go to Arizona. And if that happened, I think the Jed Fish uh, re revival would be uh, amongst the, the fan base, at least, would be uh, would explode. So that'd be great. Talk about those other three Servite kids. Obviously, Noah Fafita, we've had on the podcast a couple of times. Great kid. Uh, Key and Burnett, we've had on once as well. Jacob, we haven't had on. But just talk about their impact at the next level and uh, how they will help Arizona in the coming years. Yeah, Fafita is a kid at the high school level that has been so good and um, just really is a playmaker and really gets the ball out and really leads the offense and his teammates love him and he'll take a shot and all those kinds of things. Like all the things that you want from your quarterback, he's willing to do. And this, it just comes back to, he's about five, seven, five, eight, you know, he is just short. Like there's nothing that we could do. Anybody could do about that. So the question then becomes, can he see over Pac-12 offensive lines? Can he throw the ball over outreached arms of defensive linemen? Can, can he do all of those things at the Pac-12 level? I say, yes, he absolutely can. But, there, but the height will always be an issue. The height was an issue for Bryce Young, but he's like 5'11", maybe on the cusp of six feet tall. Noah is shorter than that. So when you see him on the football field, you're like, man, that kid is short and he's not going to be able to do anything out here against really, really good competition. And then he goes out and does it all the time. So he's a kid that's getting a bumping bump in the rankings. Nothing crazy because we're, we are worried about his size. And if it just translates to the high school game, but he's very, very good. And I think Je someone like Jed Fish that can work with that and then believes in that. Keon Burnett is one of the best looking kids in Southern California. The problem is, is his production hasn't been like off the charts in his senior year. So, so you think of him like, you know, he's a guy who looks great. Um, maybe they're just not throwing him the ball because they have T-Mac. Um, maybe they don't, you know, use him a lot because they had a, a pretty good running game this year, but he's a guy that can get open um, there was a play where he was kind of compared to DK Metcalf sprinting down the field, like 80 yards the other way to catch somebody this year. He has athleticism. There's no doubt about it. Good hands. And, and physically, when you see him on the field with pads on, he looks great. So that's a kid that's going to be able to be used in the past game. And Manu is, is an undersized linebacker. 
um, but he makes tons of plays. And as like the longer I've done this, linebacker size to me is really not all that important. Guys get, who can get guys on the ground matter. Like I want guys who fly around the field, play with reckless abandon, can fill holes, diagnose plays and run after guys and play in space, especially in the Pac-12. Um, you know, with targeting and personal fouls and everything else, like there, there, there aren't many Noah souls out there that can be right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so guys that can rack up tackles, get guys on the ground. That's what matter matters at linebacker. That's what he does. So um, maybe once in a while he'll get run over by a running back, but he's going to pop right back up and, and, and put people on the ground too. So that's a kid that I actually really like, I think is pretty undervalued and could have a really nice career. All right, uh, Adam, and just so, so you know, Eric, I got three questions and I'll let you have the end. So we're chatting about that. So we don't talk over each other. I got three more for you, Adam. I'll try to make it quick. We talked about two of the four-star commits uh, that Arizona currently has per rivals. We haven't talked about the other defensive end, Sterling Lane. What should Arizona fans know about him? Yeah, Sterling Lane was a kid that kind of came on really fast in his high school career, freshman, sophomore year. Really, really good player um, and, and kind of like topped out right there. He's been very similar to what he's been, which is not a criticism at all. It's just um, he's kind of a, an edge rusher, but can stand up and play in space, can kind of do both. Um, smart kid, makes a lot of plays and does those kinds of things. It, he, it's actually surprising that his recruitment didn't take off more uh, heading into his junior and senior season because he's a good looking kid long. Um, he has a teammate, Matthias Malachi Donaldson, who's going to Oregon state who is like super freaky and long, but is really like rail thin lane. Isn't as long, but he's thicker. So there's kind of like a tandem there that they had at Oaks Christian for, for a couple of years. Um, but he's going to be a guy that can edge rush. He can handle, you know, bigger offensive tackles, or he can kind of drop it, drop into space a little bit and play that way. So definitely another nice pickup along that defensive line. Uh, I'm sure you're trying to keep track of uh, transfer portal craziness like the rest of us are. You know, a lot of big name quarterbacks out there who have entered the portal who are from Arizona, uh, Spencer Rattler, Chubba Purdy, Jack Miller. Any chance that you, any of those guys end up at, at Arizona or is there any, any other quarterbacks that maybe uh, we should keep an eye on out here? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to really gauge where they are. I think Rattler is UCLA-ish, Arizona State maybe, um, but but I've heard a lot of UCLA talk about Spencer Rattler. Play one year for Chip Kelly, get out, if, if Chip Kelly stays at UCLA. <laughs> that caveat is still, still part of it. Purdy is an interesting one because – you know, he never really got it going at Florida State because of injuries and stuff like that. So coming back home could could definitely re-spark his career. Very talented player, um, can, can really get going. Jack Miller is another one who um, was a very talented player in high school, probably overshot a little bit by going to Ohio State into a quarterback room that was filled when he got there, filled up even more by the time he, he left. Um, so Arizona would be a good, a good spot for him too. Um, but I don't think, you know, I, I would be surprised if all three of those guys, if, if Rattler goes to Arizona, I'd be surprised. The other two could certainly be in play. Okay. And my last question for you. And once again, Adam, we really appreciate your time. We know it's valuable. Uh, as of this recording, Arizona is tied for 39th in rivals team rankings for 2022, just inside the top 40. 
your prediction, will they stay there or will they stay in that top 40 or will they drop down a bit uh, before the, uh, the signing for signing days here? Yeah. If they kind of, uh, you know, they're at 16 right now. Um, I would say that being in the top 50 would, would be more of more of where they should be shooting for. Um, the, the issue is at least in the, like, let's just take a look at the PAC 12. USC right now only has five commits. We know that's going to change yeah. once Lincoln Riley starts getting guys in there and they start committing. And a lot of guys are still waiting until signing day to make their decisions. And we know it's going to be USC. So they're going to move up. Arizona state only has six, you know, uh, you know, UCLA has five, four stars, only 12 commits. Once they start filling out that class, um, you know, that they're going to be in there. So, Having 16 is great, but there are, there are definitely some schools um, who have still a lot of room to go before signing day, which they essentially they will move up, not Arizona moving down, if that makes sense. That all changes if TMAC commits because that's a five-star that can kind of hold off some, some guys loading up on four-stars heading into signing day. So I would say right now, Shoot for the 50 range. If you're under that somewhere in the 40s, you should probably feel pretty good about it. Come on, T-Mac. Come on. Come on. Commit to us. All right, Adam, last question for me. And this is not uh, Arizona related, but just with all of this craziness in terms of college coaching changes, let's talk about from your point of view and, and kind of the way you do your job. You prepare for years on end, assuming a coach is going to be, you know, at a certain school and is recruiting this kind of kids. Just explain what the last few weeks have been like for you when it comes to evaluating prospects, where they're going to go, making crystal ball predictions, et cetera. Yeah. Signing day week is usually crazy. Like every day stuff is happening. There's movement, incredible amount of rumors that you have to chase and 80% of them aren't true. And there are some assistant coaches flopping around here or there that you really want to follow coordinators and things like that. But this has been like that for like three weeks now. So we don't know if it's like COVID related because there weren't a lot of coaching as many coaching changes as a normal year last year. Some ADs and presidents might not thought, you know, thought it was great PR to fire a coach during a situation like that. And so it, it has taken on like a world of its own. I mean, o Oklahoma's coach went to USC and Notre Dame's coach went to LSU in the matter of like 48 hours. It's just a lot of movement, a lot of craziness. And that lends to kids looking around, kids taking other visits, some kids looking for stability, so they're looking at other programs. Some kids getting really excited about it. Oklahoma had fi a five-star quarterback committed that flipped immediately. A five-star running back that flipped to USC immediately. Um, it, has been, it has been wild. I mean, it's been great for business because people are really <laughs> excited and interested in all the stuff that's going on. But when you're talking about, um, you know, we now have about 35 stars and then another eight or so in the 2023 class. So about 40 players there and then hundreds of four stars and then even more three stars that are all like in this washer all together. And every, you know, 
Lincoln Riley going to USC doesn't mean that it just ends there. It means that someone has to hire the Oklahoma co- an Oklahoma coach, which means Clemson now doesn't have a defensive coordinator, which means whoever they hire, it, it's just like a domino effect that will never end until they finally kick off the 2022 football season. So it has been a wild few weeks. It looks like it's starting to slow down. We'll see you know, what, or what happens at Oregon and as things settle in here, as hires happen, there's still a few weeks of it, but, but then we're right into signing day week. So, uh, you know, Wednesday is a week from signing day and that week is, is, is wild, especially with in-home visits happening the final weekend before signing day. And then the three days leading into it will be, will be pretty, pretty nuts. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with Shane and I about Arizona and best of luck over the next uh, eight days as uh, signing day commences. And uh, we always appreciate having you on the show. Of course, anytime, guys. See you. Thanks, Adam. I want to read you a message from Josette, a small business owner in Scottsdale. Josette says, Backcourt Marketing created a social media strategy for all of my gyms. They post engaging content every day and have really brought up the analytics on all of my pages. We meet to go over marketing ideas every month, and I really appreciate their personalized approach. That, in a nutshell, is the kind of return on your investment that you can expect when you trust Backcourt Marketing to fulfill your company's social media needs. This is a company that helps businesses reach their target audience online and build a brand that will crush the competition. They're a dedicated, knowledgeable team of brand advocates, designers, and creative writers who will help take your business to the next level. Make sure to get your business noticed. Call 480-744-6173. That's 480-744-6173. Or email team, T-E-A-M, at backcourtmarketing.com to get started. And remember, Backcourt Marketing is the marketing agency for those who love competition. I want to thank Adam Gorney for joining us. I think that's the third time we've had him on, Shane. Great it info is. as always. And uh, will Arizona land TMAC? What is your prediction? Uh, my buying or selling? Um, yes, gosh, bonus. I, I'll have to sell just because it's it just that five star looks would look so out of place. Although Adam did, he meant made a good point that he's not like most five star guys. And if he's going to come to a one in 11 Arizona team, he definitely isn't mo- like most five star guys. But I, I guess I'll just believe it when I see it at this point. I thought it was a great question you asked as well about uh, Arizona's quarterback next year if they go after one of the uh, the transfers from out of state. I think I think Chubba Purdy makes a lot of sense, but we're going to find out. I, I think as as Adam pointed out, I think we just wait until after signing day, and you know I, I would assume sometime in January we'll get we'll get our new quarterback who I do not believe is on the roster right now, including Noah Fafita. The, the, the height thing that we had discussed before scares me a little bit. Um, he's listed at five ten. Uh, Adam said five seven five eight. But then again, Kyler Murray. Uh, which is what five nine, right? Five nine. Kyler Murray is not five nine, and he's more like five eight. He's more like five eight in real life. Okay. You know, they always add an inch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you never know. Uh, it just, I guess we'll find out. Lamont Lovett uh, has always told me size doesn't matter. It's just the heart and the playmakers. The uh, color commentator for the Wildcats. So I'm going to trust him there and not go into another size rant about that. Uh, Shane, there was a uh, something that came out on uh, on on Twitter that I, I really wanted to, to point out. A Reddit college football uh, came out with a top 25 list of which teams fin- fans drink the most. Um, I, I would assume that uh, Arizona would have been on this list and they were. They were 17th. 
apparently at 3.1 drinks per game tied with Oregon, Mm. Michigan, and Florida. Number one is Nebraska at 4.5, Minnesota 4.0, Wisconsin and LSU at 3.9. I don't know who comes up with this. Uh, Are you surprised at Arizona's ranking and the fact that ASU is not on there? I think most Arizona fans had the same reaction I I had, which is that's it. 17 after watching this team for the last several years, I I think we must've cracked the top 25 uh, in the last year or so. Uh, I'm surprised it's not top 10, but, uh, and then you look at uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, you know, what else is there to do in those States in the winter? So that's, that's good. It keeps you warm, right? Right, right, right. Uh, So uh, the thing about drinking, and I I think I've said this before, I don't drink uh, when I go to a U of a football game. It's like, I have to remember every play that happens and that's probably not a good formula. It's probably switch that up um you know i have friends that that you know are just the opposite they'd rather not remember every play they'd rather so they forget just, every play yeah they yeah. just skip the first half and then just yeah. you know get get sober for the second i'll half. tell you what if you had a drinking game where you drink you take a drink every time arizona stops sh- stop short in the red zone you'd be uh oh my god you'd be, you'd be in rehab it'd be wasted yeah all right well let's uh let's talk about the college football playoff i know we're not going to make picks um did the committee get it right uh, obviously with Cincinnati, Shane. And the question is, if based on what you saw, let's say Oklahoma State scored on the last play of the Big 12 championship game, mm-hmm. and they had won barely in an unimpressive way over Baylor. They went full Arizona in the red zone. In that oh, game. yeah, they were brutal. Uh, so if they if they had won that game and uh, Cincinnati won, which is fairly convincingly, who would you have put in fourth? Gosh, that's, I was thinking about that last week. Like, okay, Obama wins, and then it comes down to those two teams. Uh, and then you, you look at how they would have won in those games. And Cincinnati, I'll tell you, they didn't just beat Houston, a very good Houston team. That they rolled them. They were up three scores in the fourth quarter. It really wasn't close at the end. Uh, gosh, I, I'm. I kind of wish the committee was had to make that decision just to watch them squirm because it, it was really simple. When when uh, Oklahoma State lost and then Alabama won, it made it really easy. Those are the mm-hmm. top four. Yep, I think they absolutely got it right. Sure. Uh, as far as who should be in. Oh man, I still don't know, Eric. I'm not trying to avoid the question. I really don't know. I, I, I think, don't think Oklahoma State. You'd have to take them out. I, I thought they were completely. I would lean that Baylor. way as well. Yeah. I would lean that way too. Cincinnati did everything you could have asked for them. Uh, their yeah. schedule was what they were. Was what it was. Indiana, who they who they creamed earlier in the year, was a preseason top 15 team that went two and ten. That's not their fault. They played who was on their schedule. They they beat Notre Dame, who was the fifth ranked team. That's all you can do. And yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to watch Notre Dame and Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. Looking forward to that. Uh, all right, give me. I know these aren't your official picks. Uh, does Cincinnati have a chance against Alabama and uh, Georgia, Michigan? Uh, is this going to be an SEC final, SEC rematch in the finals? We're not making picks yet. I, I think Cincinnati, Bama is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Mm, okay. All right. I, I think it'll be close. I, I cannot pick Cincinnati. I would love to see it. I, I'm actually happy with the matchups. I, I would rather Bama not been in, but you know, we finally want to see a group of five team get in. Oh, and see what they can do. And, and so, okay, well, here's Cincinnati. Here's your chance against the powerhouse of the last decade plus. Okay. And Bama, maybe not quite as good as they usually are, or as dominant, but they just beat the number one team in the country. So it, I absolutely love the matchup. I'm disappointed Bama got in, but I love the fact that Cincinnati, the, the first group of five team to get into the college football playoff has that opportunity. Michigan, Georgia is a fantastic matchup. And I, I wish I would love to have seen that as a championship game. Uh, but I, I think 
as much as I've been a Jim Harbaugh apologist, you know it. I think Georgia, yes. I think I want to say Georgia took its foot off the gas a little bit, knowing they were going to be in either way. I still think they're overall the best team in the country. And I think if they have a chance to beat to play Alabama again, I think it could be a different result. So I'm going to pick Georgia. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick them pick officially right now, but I, as of now where I'm leaning is, uh, is I guess that the SEC rematch you talk about. Yeah. I think Georgia uh, wins big against Michigan. I, I still don't buy Michigan. I, I'm sorry. I, I think Georgia out physicals them. And I think Alabama crushes Cincinnati. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, uh, especially on Alabama. I mean, I, I hope Georgia beats Michigan. Never been a Michigan guy. Uh, so, uh, and I think Georgia wins the title. I think you get a rematch there. And I think Georgia makes adjustments uh, and Kirby Smart finally gets over the hump and beats Saban. But we will make our official picks. I reserve the right to change those opinions. As, as do you, we will make our official picks in upcoming episodes of Wildcat Country. Uh, all right, Shane, um, we have not mentioned the women's basketball team because they didn't play last week due to a COVID forfeit. They are number six in the country. They play, I believe it is North Dakota State and New Mexico this week. Can you believe that the women are number six and Ari McDonald is not on the team? Very impressive. And, and a lot of that has to do with that win over Louisville, obviously. But they also they had the, the tournament overseas and, and they they won them all. I mean, they should have, but it's still tough to win three straight games on three straight days. And then they got progressively better as the, um, as that tournament went on that they barely uh, won the first one. And then, um, and then the last game, I think it was against Rutgers. They, I think it was, it was I, I have a hard time remembering it because it was actually during the territorial cup game, but it was like what, 35 to eight at some point in the first yeah. half. So, yeah. so they're dominating and they're doing it with defense. And that's why I think that they still have a chance to be a very good team. I don't know if they're going to be a top 10 mainstay and I know Arizona love, loves its doubters. So I'm happy to oblige mm-hmm. in, in a mm-hmm. small role, but with the defense that they play, they're such a pain in the butt for anyone who, who comes against them. They, they can, they could definitely uh, stay in the top 25, maybe even the top 10 for the foreseeable future. And once again, Arizona is the only school as of today that has an undefeated men's basketball team and an undefeated women's basketball team. So finally, Shane, as we close out the show, will that streak continue into next week and the next time we do a podcast? Will Arizona beat Illinois? Give me your prediction. Yeah. And again, like you mentioned, Erica, we're recording this before the Wyoming game as well. And Wyoming is not going to be an easy out, even though it is a game Arizona should win at home. So with the assumption at this point that Arizona will win that game, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I think this might be Arizona's first bump in the road. I think Arizona is probably a better team, but they haven't really played a good team on the road. Oregon state is not a good team. They did what they were supposed to do, but Oregon state is not a good team. I think Illinois has some of the, the, is a tough matchup has some of the size to really uh, compete with Arizona uh, in the post. So if I, you're putting me you on, can the, do it. You you're, can putting, do it. you're putting me on the spot. I would lean Illinois. Uh, I don't see a downside because if I'm wrong, I'm I'd love to be wrong. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with Arizona uh, losing its first game of the season. I think they beat Wyoming. I think they lose to Illinois. No, I just, I have a feeling Shane. I, I mean, I, it's, it's a fine pick. It's I, I assume Illinois will be a slight favorite and if they had a, coming off a nice road win at Iowa, Illinois is, I just think this Arizona team is different. And I think um, there's always something when Arizona plays Illinois, we all think back to 2005 Uh, and what happened. uh, I prefer to think back to 2001 when they beat Illinois and got to the final four. Okay, good. Uh, That's fine. I I think back to 2005, my senior year uh, and, and my, my class, I believe was the first four year class that did not make a final four since 1985's incoming class, something like that. Mm. 1984's incoming class. I didn't class. think about that. Yeah. yeah. 97, 01, 04. 90, 
Yeah. Nine, yeah, 88. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that my my class of 2001 was the first that never saw a Final Four in four years. Um, and obviously, they haven't been back to one since. I think Arizona gets this win. I think it's ugly. I'm going to say something like 78-75. Not ugly, but it'll be a fun game. But just at the end of the game, is going to be one of those gut-wrenchers where you're holding your you-know-whats. Uh, they got a win over Michigan, who, you know, has been inconsistent, uh, but but beat a, a decent San Diego State team uh, the other day. And uh, I think the Big Ten is good. I think it's a good conference. We saw Ohio State beat Duke. Uh, and I think that Illinois is one of the top teams in the Big Ten. I think Arizona is one of the top teams in the nation. I think they go into uh, Champaign and pull off the win. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully I, uh, I'm on to something here. Um, want to once again thank our sponsor, uh, Backcourt Marketing, for all of their uh, support for our show. Check them out uh, at backcourtmarketing.com. Also on Twitter, where they are going to be doing some uh, some fun little um, memes and such as they did during the ASU football game. We're going to do that for some of the basketball games. Check them out on Twitter at backcourtmktg. And then our friends at All AZ Sports, thank you as always for producing the podcast. Thanks to Adam Gorney for joining us. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. As always, bear down.